tried to come up with something witty or some sort of pithy comment after last night's loss to the Detroit Tigers and went through all the clips and everything. We just didn't find anything that was even remotely of interest. One for 12. It was a nothing game, man. Position. How about that? Jays lost 3-1 to the Detroit Tigers. It was a nothing game. Now Chris Bassett Turnbull was... Turnbull was good. Okay. Spencer Turnbull, hats off to Spencer Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull was good. Made pitches when he had to make it. Jays, one for 12 with runners in scoring position. Tigers, two for 14 with runners in scoring position. The only thing of interest is watching Javier Baez get benched by A.J. Hinch in the That's middle tremendous. of the game. Good for A.J. So... You know, time. you know what this is, Kevin? You know what this sound is? Turn the page. It's me turning the page onto a weekend series against the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are 13 and 0. 13 and 0. Jeff. Lucky 13 and 0. Just 13 and 0 coming into a weekend series at the Rogers Center. They face Barrios today, Kikuchi on Saturday, Manoa on Sunday. What can go wrong? The schedule for the Blue Jays just got <sighs> real. The next 15 games. The excuses are over. Like can the, make, the, can't the, you make like the case the cold of the weather, schedule? The, can't you make the case the schedule just got real for the Rays too? I don't care. Like I, I guess. I mean, they're thirteen and zero. Like, yeah, they took they advantage. Even, they took advantage. They, they they destroy bad pitching. Guess who they're facing tonight? Well, Up until this point, a bad pitcher. I mean, well, he's, has he been good? Mm-hmm. This is this is the time right now. We came into the season for the Blue Jays saying their rotation will take them where they want to go. Right? Have we really seen that consistently? We've seen it from one guy, and then there's been the other four. Now it's time, I think. Tonight we'll tell you everything you need to know, right? Enough enough of this stuff. Like all these – is, is it excuses early in the season? I guess uh, you could throw every no, single one excuses. that you buy. It's cold weather, the pitch calm, mechanics, you didn't pitch well, enough in spring training. Like all these things, now the schedule, this is when they need them. Like this is when this rotation – for me, this is why they have been in the conversation to win 100 games and go to the World Series. In the conversation. Is because of their rotation. And now, the schedule of the next 15 games, they got three with the Rays, three with Houston, three with the Yankees, three with the White Sox, and three with Seattle. It got real. You're going to have to pitch good and pitch better and dominate people. The Jays are 8-5, and five, uh, as we mentioned. The Rays are 13-0. and 0. Uh, The Rays flirting with history. I mean, they've already achieved uh, winning 13, their first 13 games. They've already achieved... History, but now they're going further. Well, twenty in a row is the is the that's a lot of baseball wins. record, and that was by a team that was that's older than me. Uh, St. Louis Maroons or some such thing like that. Room for error now. Thirteen and zero gives you a little cushion. Well, we you, we made the point on Blue Jays talk last night. I mean, we're at that stage with the Rays where you play the what happens if they just play 500 the rest of the way game. 87 yeah. wins, probably not going to do it. No, though. but but the but point is. three or four or five games above 500, yeah. you're looking at 90-plus wins. Yeah. That's oh, about a- going 13-0. A- absolutely. So, yeah, it, it bodes well for them to have gotten off to the start they gotten off to. It, it's not their fault to schedule. They faced early in the season. You still got to go out. And, okay. and they destroy bad pitching. Now, I mean, there is there there was a bit there was some bad news for the Rays yesterday. It, it shouldn't impact them in this series. Jeffrey Springs, who's been one of the stories of the season for them, uh, left the game early with a nerve injury, and uh, kind of a w- weird thing. I was watching the game yesterday, and uh, kudos the 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 Rays broadcast crew was on it. They detected it a pitch earlier, and you could just see after he threw a pitch, like you can tell when it well it's the left hand of him, but you. You can tell when a pitcher, when it's not just, it's not like throbbing soreness or anything like that. You can tell by a pitcher's body language and watching what he's doing when it's one of those 
wow, I haven't had that feeling before. That's odd. Going on. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we'll wait and see what the, uh, what the various, what the MRI shows and things like that. Maybe we'll get an idea. We'll have an idea from, from Kevin Cash tonight before the game. What's up with Jeffrey Springs? But, uh, yeah, 13-0. and 0. Uh, They've matched the 1982 Braves and the 87 Brewers for the longest winning streak to start a season in the modern era. The St. Louis Maroons went 20-0 and 0 before losing a game in 1884. Peter Bendix is the general manager of the Rays. He'll be along at uh, 1035. Matt Joyce, Rays studio analyst, will join us. Awesome. Yeah. Rays heavy. Uh, he's today. a good dude. He's a former teammate with Kevin Kiermaier. Um, we've had, I had Matt on a couple of times before and he's one of those guys when you were, you were talking to players and you're thinking, Oh, that guy could maybe be a manager or that guy could be a broadcaster. Matt Joyce is one of those guys. So yeah. we, we, we look forward, we look forward to that. And yeah, look, it's Drew Rasmussen, Josh Fleming, Shane McClanahan. Hello. Drew Rasmussen. I think back, we were on the air when the Rays made that deal and we were laughing because at that time, Drew Rasmussen was a, Brewer, he was a Brewers guy. Right? Yeah, but he wasn't great. We said, you know what's going to happen, of course. He'll be great. Three years <laughs> down the road, we're going to be talking with, God, uh, here comes yeah. Drew Rasmussen. He, He's given, up, he's given he's up three a, hits in 13 master, innings. Is he? He's given up three hits in 13 innings. He doesn't strike out a bunch of people. He does have a tight spin rate, a big-time spin rate. I mean, his, his cutter and his sweeper have a spin rate of over 2,700. That's big time. That means it stays in the lane longer, and it breaks later. And it's harder, harder to it's, pick up. It, it's harder to tell the difference tell between his best pitches. He throws just hard enough. He locates just hard enough. Uh, he doesn't give up any home runs. He doesn't walk anybody. He doesn't strike out anybody, which means he gives up some weak contact. You're going to have to have quality at bats. This is where the lefties that you brought in. Yeah, this is this is where they're going to have to show up, right? The quality, the, oh, right-handed yeah. pitching on a roll in the, the division. The at bats with runners on base have to get better. They're not. They're right now. They're just not bottom. Wow, they've had, they've, they've had one. Said, they've had one game I've where it's said, really been noticeable. I mean, they they've they've done a few little. I mean, we can't overreact to one game. Matt Chapman didn't play last night, by the way. It's not an overreaction. It's not. It's not. It's not an overreaction. Again, th- this is how you talk about a championship team. This is how you talk certain parts of the of the schedule of when they're going to play really good teams. Of the at bats have to be better. You have to do all the little things. I mean, the Rays think they can beat anybody. Well, they can because they have well, so the, far. Well, they they play by know what you mean. Yeah, they have. A, they have a really good pitcher on the mound. The Rays do. They're destroying bad pitching. That's what good lineups do. I mean, what do they got? They got Brandon Lyle's got five homers. Yan, uh, Yandy Diaz has four. Wander Franco has four. They have four guys with three. Can I just? The I, Jays have two. I'm going to throw Bo the, and Chapman. I'm going to throw these offensive numbers out because with the Rays, we always talk pitching, defense, defense, pitching, pitching, defense, defense, pitching. I want to throw these numbers out again, keeping in mind that they've played some crap. Teams. Not their fault. Not their fault. Um. They've outscored their opponents by 71 runs, mm-hmm. okay, which is the third largest run differential in Major League history for, through the first 13 games of the year, the largest in the modern era, which, as we say, is after my birthday. You know, the day I was born is the modern era of baseball. Uh, 11 of their third, pretty much, 11 of their 13 wins have come by at least four runs. This is the stat that just blows me away because it doesn't matter who you're playing. It's early in the season. 
They've trailed in after only six of the 117 innings they've played this year. Think about that. They've trailed after only six innings. That includes the fourth yesterday. And that ties them with the 1884 New York Gothams, I mean, for the second lowest total in MLB history. So we are seeing things we haven't seen done in three generations, essentially. First in homers, first in the RA. That's all you need to know. Runs, homers, OPS. And 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 I don't know if you saw the game yesterday. Did you see the bases loaded, pinch hit, bunt, score run? Like, come on. Are you are you kidding me? Here, here, here's are a, you are are here, you kidding? I mean, it's the raceway. That's what they do. That's what they're going to continue to do. They're probably not going to hit this many home runs all year because they're out. They are going to run into some better pitching who can add and subtract and throw to a hitter's weakness. But they are very confident, and this just opens up everything in the world for Kevin Cash to do. Oh, we haven't done that this year. Let's try that. We've tried everything else. They're they're destroying baseballs, and you run into a guy that sometimes in a situation you need to get a guy over. Element of surprise, that kind of thing. This is what I do know. Jose Barrios. I would get back to that, right? It's uh, This is sort of could be the game for him. We talked about the WBC, all the changes he made. Could ooze confidence, right? You're running out of that thing. Well, it didn't happen. That sort of trickled into the season. And now you're looking at this game. If he can and go. Every, every, if he gives you like. If he if he gives you five and two not, thirds every, tonight or something like everything that. Everything would tell you he's not going to do that. Like I'm, let's be. So this is one of those games where if you're sitting in the mirror, you're you're getting your clothes on right now, taking your shower, and you look yourself in the mirror, and you're thinking to yourself, just forget about all these stats. But this is where sort of you look into why the Rays right now. Obviously, Brandon Lau's healthy. That's a big thing. Randy Rosarena with the runners Wander, scoring. Wander, Wander Franco's yeah, healthy. Yeah, he's healthy. When he's healthy, he's hitting 321. They destroy fastballs. Lau's hitting 444. Franco's hitting 375. Uh, Rosarena's hitting 364. They do it, and they do it. They are very, very aggressive. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, Jeff. They're first in OPS, the first pitch of in the bat. They have an OPS of over almost 1,700. They're hitting 540 Against on the, the first, first pitch. On the first pitch. <sighs> Jose Barrios. Batters are slugging 500. And hitting 375 off the first pitch. That right there for me is where you stop if you're Jose Barrios. I have to be good there. If I can be good there and keep it in the yard. Now, Barrios has not only given up one homer, so that's that bodes well, right? Because mm-hmm. his his sweeper or whatever you want to call that thing, curveball, has been good enough. He's thrown it enough that it's keeping it off the barrel, right? I mean, his his Fastball's being destroyed. Like his the slugging percentage off his sinkers, nine nine hundred. That's why I said the the few batters that are aggressive, OO, and destroy fastballs and Barrios sinker hasn't been real good. And his fastball, they're hitting four seamer, hitting four sixty two. It's real. I mean, the quality of his first pitch have to be perfect tonight. That that for me is, and from the jump, because he's going to get their best hitters right out the gate from the jump. The location of that stuff, the spinner, you ain't saving something for the next time through. Like you're gonna have if you're if your sweeper is the way you're gonna get these dudes out, throw it. Continue to throw it. That's what they have to do now. This is a start to start kind of thing. This is not, you know, you're you're saving something for to give it to him to his next at bat. No. So that it'll it'll be very interesting to see because he's gonna give up some hits. They're very hot. They're confident. They're not missing mistakes. He's not perfect. He'll throw a ball down the middle. Somebody will hit a ball in the left center field gap, and there'll be a leadoff double. It's how he handles that. What's it look like the next pitch he throws? 
And if he can, we talked about this missed thing forever. Can he get better at it? And this is what I said. This is the schedule, the part of their schedule. I mentioned this a couple of days ago. The next 15 games, it's real. For me, it starts with the guy on the mound. And the excuses, he's made every mechanical adjustment you can possibly make. It's sort of, it's refined to him enough to know that your misses have to be better. Your fastball, obviously, is not good enough. Hitters are telling you that. Your sinker's not good enough. If you miss, it gets hammered. It's simple. Your mm-hmm. sweeper's really good. So it's how do you miss better more competitively with your fastball, your sinker, to make your sweeper that much better, stay out of the hitting zone early in counts. If he can do that, I don't want to put a number, five and a third, five and two-thirds. It's not fair to him anymore. I just think it's uh, – I mean, he's at home. He's facing the, you could air quote, best team in baseball just by record. Be a good time for him to show up and, and – you know, there has been rumblings. Everybody's like saying, hey, you know, mean streak, move their feet. I don't think he has it in him. Like, I, I don't think that's a part, you, of, who you he, can't, part you, of who he is. Yeah, you can't ask a guy to. Yeah, I don't think that's who he is. You can't ask a guy to be who, be who he is and be. But you can force who he good misses. Like, you can make sure when you throw this thing, it, it's either perfect or I miss with it, and they're taking it, and, and I can live to fight another pitch. I mean, as, as, if, as, if, as if you needed any more. Drama or context to the start tonight. Last night at Double A, you know where I'm <laughs> going with this. Uh-huh. Uh, Ricky Tiedemann, nine strikeouts over three innings in his 2023 debut. Um, hit 99 a couple of times through 49 pitches. Uh, this is his first start of the year. It is Triple A. I get that, but Kevin. Talked about Ricky Tiedemann's spring training. We've seen this organization. He's he's young. He's he's really young. But we've seen this organization have success with younger with the younger guy in Alec Manoa. Yes, I know there were different experience levels at that point when Alec Manoa came up here. But we've seen this organization have success with young pitchers. You know, Buck Martinez kind of put the kind of put the cat amongst the pigeons uh, on the telecast the other night when he just came out and said Ricky Tiedemann is going to. Is is going to be contributing to the Jays in 2023? Period! Exclamation point. And Dan kind of talked a bit, and, and and Buck just kind of almost doubled down on it. Um, so you know, of course, I'm sure that he knows. You, you know, of course, that if um, and and we've talked. I mean, this is about winning. Who gives you the best chance to win in any particular night? If Jose Barrios has another wobble tonight, you know, you say Kikuchi's done enough that we. You know, you just, he's done enough so far that you, you ride this out a little bit. Alec Manoa, I think everybody, well, Alec Manoa, if Alec Manoa has a lousy year, there's no answer for that. I mean, there's just no answer for that. Not, you you can't plan for that. They're not going to go where they want to go. No, that, it's, that's just, it's just the way simple, it is. I mean, it, they can bring three Ricky Tiedemanns up. It's not going to make any difference. You know as well as I do, though. You know as well as I do. A scuffling star from Barrios. Like, I, there's no way in hell they could you could conceive of bringing this guy up anytime soon. There are three innings this year um, and not many pitches at that because he was so good. But but you know how fans are in this city, and I'm not slagging fans. You know how fans are in this. You know how fans are in baseball. You got the hot prospect who's a pitcher. If he keeps throwing lights yeah. out and, you know, you dudes you're paying this, this, this big money to is scuffling. At some point, you're going to start hearing this conversation. 
And that doesn't mean the Jays are going to say, okay, well, the fan base wants Ricky Tiedemann up. Let's bring him up. But the point is, it is an, it's added context. It's another layer of stuff surrounding Jose Barrios. Yeah, I'm not sure it is. Just, just say, he gives you, say he goes two and a third and gives up seven earned runs. I'm just saying. I mean, it's nothing you can do. You, you, you can't. His next, start, his next start will be on the road against Houston. He's still Ricky Tatum is not coming up for that start. So no. that, that's the point, right? Well, that right? was what it, I it, just it said. Would be, it would be another. That was I what I know. just. It would be another four or five starts before this actually, if, even no, if it does happen. way longer than that. Well, like, there, Rick, Ricky so Tatum is not coming so up. So why are we talking about it? Because I said that if Barrios has another bad start, there is going to be pressure around the team to quote unquote do something that's you're the one coming on here no i'm you're the one coming on here and saying I, that they, that, they that they're uh, no we're we're all saying they're going to the playoffs i picked them to win the division they're not going to win the division I, I, they're, playoff they're, they're not going to win the division of jose barrios is, a lot of bad teams in baseball. is, is like they're, this they're this year play. yeah but you know what there aren't a lot of teams again if manoa there aren't a lot of teams that go barrios kikuchi manoa that want to go to the playoffs if they're if these, if these guys are scuffling there aren't a lot of playoff teams that have got three works in progress or two works in progress in their rotation look at the playoff teams look yeah, at the playoff yeah. teams there there are you know this is this is almost a crisis situation for the blue jays even though it's early in the year it's almost a crisis situation and all i'm like, saying just like whenever I'm saying i said is, the runners in scoring position you rolled your eyes at me and said it's early in the season yeah, you have to have faith in these guys because of track record. I'm not saying the Barrios thing. We just, you you we, have been tooting Barrios' horn forever, and I have not. We so flipped roles here. I'm No, no, oh. no, no, no. I'm not in the camp. It's not Ricky Tatum's fault. He's 20. I'm not Kevin. It's not his fault. Kevin. Like what's what's Again, they, they're sending him down, and they're controlling you who he is com- and what he's doing you are completely, for a reason. You are completely, so why are we talking about Ricky You Tatum? are completely misreading. You're completely misreading it. We're talking about Ricky Tiedemann because you know that this people, if, if Jose Barrios continues to scuffle, people are going to want answers. They've done everything. It would be Mitch White before it'd be Ricky Fine. Tiedemann. Fine. Exactly. Mitch White, sure, there'll be Mitch White. Is Mitch White doing anything? No idea, but that's that's who it would be. It would be Ricky Mitch Tatum. White, yeah. and there you go. There's Mitch White in the rotation of a team that wants to go to the playoffs. What I also think you're going to see happen, what I think is it is is – the first step towards anything being done, and Dan and Buck both talked about this last night, they got an off day coming up. You can't. If, if Barrios and Kikuchi scuffle in this these two starts, I'm sorry. you got to separate them somehow. you got to do something with the rotation. Well, you'd have to adjust you your pen to. also, too. Cause it's you have to adjust your pen. You'd need exactly. a long-relief guy. I, yeah, I know you probably don't need that in today's baseball, but when you have two dudes that's just not getting it done, you're going to have to do something, and you're not going to send them down release them. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it would turn into an issue. I'm not quite there with you yet. I think the rotation is still good enough. Chris Bassett last night looks like mechanics and the velocities up, which he thinks is a big deal. Chris He's, Bassett has gotten better in his absolutely. starts. Absolutely, right? no, and, no and, question. And if you're going to try, dude, his yeah. velocities up, which and is it, a big deal for that seventy, exactly. the seventy-five pitches that he needs. The velocity on those two pitches, the velocity on the fastballs, yep. need to be there for room for error for the seventy to seventy-five mark. So. Yeah, I got no really no issue. Go no. give you 160 innings. If you're going to tell me in spring training, if you're going to tell me in spring training that you're a process guy and that you know you're going this step, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to tick this this box, I want to tick this box. If you're telling me that and trying to sell me that, you got to go out and show me that. And Chris Bassett's done that. Everything Chris Bassett has kind of said about yeah. spring training and how I build up and what I need and what I'm looking for. 
that's starting to come to fruition. Uh-huh. And the second start in a row, again, this, the Tigers aren't a good team, but second start in a row where you watch Chris Bass and you go, okay, now I understand what happened. Now I understand why he, he that, that, what he, what he did last year. Okay. I can see now why he got all those things. I can see why they signed him. Like you, you, you can see now what a good Chris Bassett can bring to this team. He is going to yeah. give you a chance I, to win. I th- I think because we talk about the Blue Jays a lot, I think we need to hold pump the brakes on the Ricky Tiedemann thing. I I really do because once we start talking about it, a lot of other people are going to start nah, talking about it. And that's, are, not, Kevin, and that's not really something that should be talked Kevin, about. People just are already people were I mean, talking. Pe- people to were talking. What with it? People were talking about Ricky Tiedemann in the spring because people want prospects to come up. People want prospects to come up. People want this team. People aren't dumb. They think this team's a playoff team, and so do they I. don't want to watch. They don't want to watch a couple of guys going three and a third back to back on the rotation. That doesn't scream playoff team to me. I, it, it, it just doesn't. I'm sorry. It 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 doesn't scream playoff team. Mm. Again, I would urge you. You know, we'll we'll do well, this. Let's, we'll, we'll, let's we'll give talk it after the next. We'll give it. Games. We'll give it a few more give weeks. It Fifteen games. We'll give it a few more weeks, and then we'll go back and say, okay, let's look at the starting rotations of the teams I, we think are playoff teams. I just started it by saying no more excuses, and again, you jumped me and said it's too early to be saying that. And I just said next fifteen games for the rotation for the lineup. Say it's too early. Right. It is. That. It right now is. No, I said it's when you when what you think is going to get you where you need to go needs to show up. It's too early. Now. It's too that's, early. That's the whole point no. of having the conversation for the next fifteen games. I that's mean, out. My my whole thing was it's too early to start. You know, you're overreacting to one game where they don't get a hit with runners in scoring position, which is I thought you were. What I thought oh, yeah, you were doing no, after last not, night's game. Uh, the no. offense been the offense is pretty good. Uh, opening night here, it was okay. The five home runs was pretty good. They had one bad game. They had one bad game where they left a ton of guys in scoring well, position. Well, they're last in baseballs with runners in scoring position, two outs. It's a big deal. I told you just to start the season. And when I said that, again, because of the balance of the lineup and who the first three guys is, the guys after that that are in the meat of the order, which is that five, six, seven, and you could probably throw in eight. Very important because there's going to be a lot of traffic. Like there's that number five and number six dude is going to come up a lot, a lot. And who has the most at bats? I think it's Varsho in that spot. Kirky's in that spot. Kirk, uh, Brandon Belt's in that spot. Those three dudes, right? Varsho's still out trying to learn who he is. Kirky's gotten off to a tough start. Brandon Belt up until the last couple of games. I, I sort of I think why you're you're bringing him here is not getting four hits. It's getting one hit with a runner on second base. That is sort of the purpose of bringing an older guy in here, right, is to have that one at good at bat that matters to help you win a baseball game. So, yeah, I'm not overreacting, but I am stating the facts here, right? It's it's a when, – when your rotation's not doing something, it sort of throws the spotlight on those little things. That's why Dan and Buck talked about it last night, because it's a big deal because of the rotation. When that's not doing it, then something else needs to step it up, and stepping it up means – I come up with first and second, and I'm a good hitter. I need to be a good hitter in that spot, put my best swing on my pitch. You do that because you have talent, you're going to have success. So, there. How's that? Is that that a better way to? No. You still ain't buying it. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. It, it will, it will. I, you know, it, you know me that I don't like their rotation. I, you looks you like know me that I don't like uh, the first month of the season to me is almost an extension of spring training. I just don't get this, wrapped up. I don't get coming, wrapped up. In this it. is coming from the guy that just said Ricky Tate. 
Every every again, we've we've talked we're talking about this team the way we talk about it because it's a really good team and this team has expectations to go a long way. This is why the organization's talking about the team exactly the way we are. They they are. They're not saying it out loud like we do, but they are. This is and you you look at sort of what your schedule is, right? The first couple of games, you had some room for there, right? You had some room for some guys to do what some guys have to do early in seasons. And now the next 15 games, there is no room or you're going to get beat a lot. It's real simple. Like, you're facing better teams. Mm. That's the point. That's all. It's okay to have expectations for dudes and think, be better when you go out. I think you're being unnecessarily negative. Uh, maybe. We'll find – Okay. Remember this conversation, and what was what's today? Monday, May the first. That, May that's, Day. That's when we'll have the next conversation about this. How about that? Yeah, I don't think it's negative. I think it's you're being a negative. They're, they're you're being a negative, Nancy. They're expected to perform at the highest level. I love Ricky Tatum. He's left-handed throws 99. He can pitch in to a right. I love it. You know what? Do you realize that you've mentioned Ricky Tiedemann's name three times since the last time I mentioned it? Well, it's your fault I even mentioned it once. I'm just saying. You know that's where it's going. Uh, Peter (laughs) Bendix is general manager of the Tampa Bay Rays. They are 13-0. They're coming into Toronto. First pitch tonight, 7-0-7 on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Drew Rasmussen, Jose Barrios, Josh Fleming, Yusei Kikuchi, Shane McClanahan, Alec Manoa. What could go wrong? Don't be negative. <laughs> Peter Bendix joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it is a busy Friday on Blair and Barker. Peter Bendix, the general manager of the Rays, will join us in a few minutes. The Rays are in town for the first of the three-game series against the Blue Jays. Matt Joyce, Rays studio analyst. Be along at 11 o'clock. Jeff Pass, an MLB insider with ESPN, will join us. We'll talk about Vlad's contract negotiations. Talk a little bit about the Rays. Shohei Otani goes to New York this week. Think that's going to be a big deal? And uh, and we'll talk about MLB expanding to possibly expanding to Utah. Uh, baseball writers all over the planet are going. Oh God, a road trip to Salt Lake. Even City. better reason to do it. Oh. You like Salt Lake City though, I didn't do. you? I did. Yeah, I did. Anyhow, on the list of places I'd love to see baseball expand to, ten places, Salt Lake would be about fifty third. I guess it's a good thing they're not asking you. That's true. Why Why the hatred? Why go there? There's no reason. Well, I mean, the, the last time you went there, Vegas were, is good. were you going there for the for the nightlife or to cover sports? Yeah. Like, the sports are good, are still good there, no? Hear what Charles Barkley said about uh, yeah. uh, Salt Lake City uh, during yeah, the Charles All-Star Barkley's game. Charles a little different than you. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. what the hell is why is it, what's the hatred for? Just put my foot in something. I, thought, I think it's. <laughs> I did. I just put my foot in something. Literally. Uh, uh, 
Yes, so anyhow, Pass and will join us. Lots to talk about. We've got tickets to give away to uh, a Blue Jays game uh, down at the Rogers Centre on May 28th. Uh, April 28th. It says April 28th. I got the right month here. April 28th uh, against the Seattle Mariners. That'd be a good one. We got tickets to give away to that one. A repeat of the uh, repeat of the the, uh, the playoff playoff series from hmm. last year. Um, Jays losing three one to the Detroit Tigers last night. They're eight and five. You know, of course, Tampa is thirteen and zero. Um, and uh, according to Mark Topkin, should have mentioned this a little earlier, but uh, Tyler Glasnow is starting to throw from the mound, Ooh. and the Rays are seeing their target. They've now targeted mid to the to, to the end of May. Getting Tyler Glass. Well, it helps when you get off to a thirteen and zero start. Well, it does now. Of course, <laughs> let's see what the Jeff. Yeah. Let's see what the Jeffrey Springs. Um, let's see what the Jeffrey Springs uh, injury is. Let's see what where, where that goes. But they also they, and we I, we again, there's so many things going on. They brought up their pitching prospect Taj Bradley as well for one game against the Red Sox. He had what like eight punchies and in five innings. And then, they, then they optioned him. Say death so, is an understatement. Yeah, it's just a plethora of. Holy moly! Like, where do you make these people? No, at? They, like, they, you know, it's crazy. They've uh, they've 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 definitely got it going on. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask just as we await. Is this how do you view this series if you're the Jays? I think it has to do more with the rotation than it does anywhere else for the Blue Jays. It really does because of who's That's pitching the focus against is on, right? No question. Sort of the three guys that are pitching against the best team with the best record in baseball is not your best three pitchers so far this season. So you're trying to figure out, right, mm-hmm. how to get some good players out and some good hitters out. How do you add and subtract? How do you get ahead? How do you have good misses? How do you have confidence if you give up, up a hard-hit baseball, right? How do you throw hard? How do you make it break the way you want it to break? How do you do it against a team that's confident? For me, it's more about that than it is, is anywhere else. Yeah, this, um, this could be a... <laughs> For Jose Barrios, a start tonight against a team, a team like this could I, be. I mean, this could be the thing that either sends your season into an even bigger death spiral, or gives you I, a little light at the end of the tunnel. I'm there. not saying I feel sorry for him because he dropped. A, he's, he's got 131 large in his bank account, but it's a big start for him. Yeah. We mentioned the Rays are 13 and 0. Peter Bendix is general manager of the Rays, and uh, we're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Peter, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. I, you know, congratulations. I don't know, can you congratulate somebody when their team is off to a 13 and 0 start? I guess you probably Rare can. That it happens. Uh, I, I guess you probably can. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to just throw a an absolute softball question here, Peter. How are you guys 13 and 0? No disrespect, but how are you how is anybody 13? How is anybody 13 and 0 to start a year? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it and uh thanks for for that intro. Um yeah, 13 and 0 is pretty surreal. I mean, it's happened so infrequently in the history of baseball that even the very best teams in baseball, you know, just the nature of the sport winning 13 games in a row is incredibly difficult to do. We've, we've timed things up really well. All aspects of our club are clicking at the same time, which is really hard to do and just really fun to watch when it happens. Uh, Brandon Lau is, uh, what's he hitting? 333, he's got five home runs. How? I, well, I know he's healthy, and when he's healthy because he's very aggressive and when he gets good pitches to it, I think he's made a little adjustment to his hands, right? The hands can see the pitcher a little bit better, a little free, more free and easy to the baseball. But how's he doing, doing it other than health-wise? 
I think health really is a huge component for him. If you look back to 2021, he had 39 homers. And he's been, when healthy, one of the better you know, offensive second basemen around the league. I think he's just kind of over the back issues that plagued him last year. He's the better version of himself. I think he's seeing the baseball as well as he ever has. And you mentioned it. He's aggressive, but it's a controlled aggressiveness. He's, he goes up there with a plan, and he's really been able to execute. Now, I don't think any, anybody expects a team to go 13-0, let alone 162-0. But, but when, when you look at, at what, when you and the front office look at, at what has transpired so far, uh, how, how, much, how, how much do you break it down into what is sustainable, you know, what is um, you know, clearly unsustainable, and how much of it is just let's just enjoy it? You know, like when, when you sit there, the old adage, right? You're never as good as you are when you're, I guess you're never as good as you are, you are when you're 13 and 0 and you're never as bad as you are when you're 0 and 13. But how do you view that sort of from a, from a strategic uh, and, and from a, I'm not going to say analytical, but from a, a, a management point of view? It's a long season. And that's something that, you know, we preach. Anybody who's worked in the game for any amount of time knows that 162 games spread across six months it's a really long season and you can't get too high when you're going well. You can't get too low when you're going poorly. There's always a game tomorrow. That said, this kind of start is, you know, it's historic. And I think we're allowing ourselves to enjoy it just a little bit, understanding that it doesn't really mean anything until the end of the season, right? The goal is to win the division and ultimately to win the world series. That's what we're after, not winning streaks or or starts to the season, but it's still fun. It's still a fun ride. And so I think, Enjoying it a little bit while also understanding it's only 13 games. It's still April 14th or whatever today's date is. There's a lot of baseball left to play. But, you know, streaks like this don't happen very often. So enjoy it a little bit as well. Peter, is there one of your players that you've noticed that the new rules have helped more than some of your other players? Ooh, I would say that it has helped our offense generally because the new rules encourage athleticism. And they encourage speed. And those are two things that we have a lot of. So offensively, you know, we've managed to put the ball in play a lot, which has been a point of emphasis. And balls in play are finding holes more frequently. The bases are a little closer to one another. The rules about pitcher step-offs favor speed on the bases. All of those things are kind of little things, but I think we have one of the faster and more athletic teams in baseball. So I would say those rules generally have just, help that athleticism, which is something that we've been able to have a lot of. Now, a, a couple of questions about the pitching. First and foremost, uh, Jeffrey Springs, will, will, we, will we get an update on him later today? Is a, is, has he been examined, and, and how much concern is, is there about him? And secondly, Tyler Glasnow, what are the plans for, for Tyler? With Jeffrey, we should find out more information today. Um, want to reserve judgment uh, until we, we get more information, so I would expect at least some kind of update later today. Um, with Tyler, he's coming along as expected, as kind of hoped. You don't want to rush the oblique injury, um, but it's also one that has usually a, a fairly consistent timeline. So he's, he's, he's thrown off the mound, uh, which is a big, important step for him. The next thing would be getting to face hitters back into games. We don't want to put a, you know, a specific timeline on it, but I'd say he's progressing along the lines of what we hoped when he first went down. Drew Rasmussen is throwing tonight. Is there one specific thing that you've seen from him that in the past he wasn't doing that now he is doing that's turned him into the 13 inning pitch three hit guy who, you know, adds, subtracts, locates and dominates a lot of good, really good teams. 
he has just developed in all aspects of being a pitcher since we acquired him and since I think we moved him into the rotation. He's always had a really good fastball. He's always had really good command, a clean, easy delivery. He can spot the fastball. And he's worked with our pitching group, with Kyle Snyder, our pitching coach, with our pitching analysts, really everybody in our pitching group to develop and refine his arsenal. And he's now kind of got more of a four or five distinct pitch arsenal that really allows him to attack different hitters in different ways. So he's got, you know, a cutter now. He's got a bigger breaking ball. He can use a two-seamer to bust right-handers inside. He has better, you know, movement on all of these pitches. So it hasn't been one specific thing. It's just kind of been an evolution of, of really his whole arsenal. And he's, he's putting it together in a way that is something we kind of hoped for. I think we, we thought Drew could do this, but you never know until it actually happens. You know, we've always looked at the Rays, you know, Kevin, and we've talked about them as kind of the little engine that could, the overachieving team, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, you have had years where your team has hit a lot of home runs. It seems as if there's almost sort of a shape-shifting element to to what to what you guys are able to do. And I'm, I'm not – is this – the numbers aside, the raw numbers aside, Peter, is this sort of – balanced offense that you guys have right now is is this kind of the way you envision this this lineup performing yeah i think you said it balance we have a lot of talent we have a very difficult lineup to face one through nine when everybody is clicking i think we kind of pride ourselves on having that depth in the lineup um and like i said athletic fast players all up and down and then you add on top the health Right, Brandon Lau, we already touched on. Wander Franco is healthy, and when Wander Franco is healthy, he is immensely, incredibly talented. We have Manuel Margot, who finished last season kind of banged up. He's a much healthier version of himself. Randy Arozarena hasn't so much struggled with health, but you know he's been really good, but still maybe a little inconsistent. And we're starting to see more of that consistency, more of that day-to-day being just locked in and being the best version of himself every day. And then it just really expands the lineup. It's a deep lineup. It's power. It's speed. It's contact. It's a lot of different ways to beat you. You know, when when Buck Martinez was managing Team USA during the first World Baseball Classic and talking about where it might go and everything and how you needed to get buy-in from the players, he made a point that he thought there were some players that were going to be just hugely helped by going to the WBC in terms of preparing them for the regular season because of the sort of the ratcheting up of the, the, the level of competition and watching Randy Rosarena at the world baseball classic. We already saw him in the world series. Like we already know what he's about. I mean, boy, people in Toronto really know what he's about, but just kind of seeing him on that stage, I, Peter, I almost get the sense watching him now. That's it's almost put an extra spring in his step it, it, as if he needed it, but it, it it, it really, it just seems as if it's done that. I, I see the same things. I, I really do. I agree with you. He rises to the level of the competition. He rises to the moment. We saw that in the World Series, really the, the entire playoff run in 2020. And sustaining that over 162 games, that's, that's just difficult for anybody. You know, they're not all World Series level intensity. But that's what the best players are able to do. And that's something that's learned. That's something that's learned over time as a player grows, as a player matures, and understands what it takes to get through 162 games, 
to stay locked in no matter what else is happening. That's difficult for everybody. And Randy is still a relatively, you know, inexperienced young player. It's not unusual for that type of thing to be learned throughout one's career. And I think you're absolutely right. The, the WBC seems to have helped him. He was so much fun to watch in the WBC. He was so locked in on both sides of the ball. He's kind of his, his best authentic version of himself, and we're seeing that carry through into the regular season so far. Peter, you know as well as anybody, most of the time when you, you talk about hitting coaches, we, we talk about them, it's usually bad. Chad, <laughs> Chad Matola gets a lot of love from you guys. I hear Kevin Cash talk about Chad Matola a lot. Why is he the right guy for this team? Chad Matola is good at a lot of things. He is especially good at building relationships, getting players to trust him, to buy in. And one of the things that we have going for us this year is a lot of continuity from last year's team. Mm -hmm. Just about everybody, I think it's all but maybe two players that are with us this year were on last year's team as well. A lot of those players were on the 2021 team. A lot Mm -hmm. of those players have come up through our system. So Chad has gotten to know them. He's gotten to build those relationships to get that trust and buy-in. And then when he's able to get that trust and buy-in, the players listen to him and the players follow him. And I think a lot of... What we're trying to do this year, it's a simple message. It's see the ball, control the zone. And it sounds simple, but it's really difficult to execute. And we've been able to, to manage that so far in large part because of the message that's been delivered by Chad, by the rest of the hitting group, and the trust and the relationships that are built there. And one of the other aspects of the race story that we, we don't touch on enough, I think, is just the fact that you guys, I mean, it was a different, different spring. You had guys at the World Baseball Classic, the spring training facility, um, you know, to, was damaged by a hurricane. You spent, uh, I mean, you, you're at, you're at, at Tropicana Field for, for a lot of games. You know, I, I'm not going to ask you if that helped your team bond or anything like that, but there's got to be an immense source of organizational pride that you guys were able to kind of, you know, walk and chew gum at the same time when it came to something like that and then get off to a good start because there had to be a lot of sort of patching and, and you know, and, and fixing up and sort of making things up in some ways as you went along. You know, you, you said it. I'm, I'm really proud of our entire group. Uh, I think it starts with our coaches, with our support staff, with everybody who allows us to put on a spring training, to put on a game. There was a tremendous amount of work that went into having our spring training at an entirely new facility for two weeks. Right. So we were in Orlando for two weeks and the amount of work that goes into making sure everything is major league quality is just incredible. And then to move spring training in the middle of spring training over to the trop and to have something that we've never had before, which is spring training out of our home clubhouse. And there's far more players during spring training than there is during the season. Mm -hmm. And so being able to accommodate everybody there, being able to just really have a a seamless spring training in a lot of ways, despite what could have been a lot of distractions, that is entirely a credit to our coaches, to our clubhouse staff, to our strength and conditioner trainers, everybody that's associated with the team. They were able to work extra hard. They were able to do a fantastic job. So our players could just focus on baseball. They didn't have to worry about the distractions. They didn't have to worry where they were going. They just showed up. They got their work done. They did what they need to do. And we've seen that it, it, you know, hasn't distracted us at all. Peter, we're going to let you run. Really appreciate your time as always. Terrific stuff. Thanks so much. And uh, congratulations on the start. Thanks, Peter.
Thank you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Peter Bendix is general manager of the Great Tampa stuff. Bay Rays. And I forget, yeah, I, I did feel like mentioning that because we, you know, we give the Jays credit for what they went through during sure. COVID and they had, but I mean, yeah, spring training is, spring training is a time of routine and, you know, look, it's not, I mean, clearly there were I'm sure, more hurricane damage related issues that were more important than the loss of the race no spring question. training site. But, you know, Again, you've got players at the WBC, key players at the WBC. You've got a two-week spring training at, at in Orlando. Then you move to the Trop, and you, routines are interrupted and all that. But, yeah, it, it man, it just doesn't seem to have – and I don't necessarily buy into the bonding thing all that much because I just I think – I you know, I had someone tell me one time, you know, the problem of spending – was in, they were talking about the 10-game road trip. They said, you know what the problem of spending a lot of time with your teammates – early in the season is it gets old Quick. faster. No question. <laughs> At the end of the year, the end of the, it gets old faster, especially if things aren't going well, but for them to do that, to manage that, to have that. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised because it's the raise, uh, but to have be that organized and then to just hit yeah. the ground running. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mentioned Chad Matola. I played with Chad, uh, you know, and, and Chad wasn't the greatest of hitters, but he was a home run guy. You know, he, mm-hmm. he had a plan. He was a guesser. Like he had a pretty good idea. And I, I, and Kevin, I, he is, we, we know him a little bit from when he was in this organization. You know, the other thing he is, you talk a lot about being able to sell something. He is, he can sell you he, stuff. He is, but I, I, I did hear the other day, Kevin Cash talk about him. And I heard that, uh, Chad Matola was, well, Kevin was saying that Chad had called every single one of his everyday guys in the off seasons and, and basically said, you guys stunk. It wasn't good enough. Like we, that's not the race way. We need to fix it. We need to figure out whatever we need to figure out. And then we just had Peter on and Peter said, see the ball, control the control zone. The zone. Uh, it's, it's so, and what I got from what Peter said was it sounds so simple. And then I started thinking about who the race was and the analytics and the cargo shorts and the underground city. And for him to say it sounds so simple that maybe sometimes they were overthinking it and maybe they were putting way too much on on some hitter's plate that, quite frankly, wasn't capable of doing that. That's what I took away from that. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I read too much into it. But for Peter to say that and knowing Chad the way I know Chad, I think that's probably the reason why. Now, obviously, their schedule, yada, yada, yada. We can say that till we're blue in the face. It's not their fault. You still got to go out and execute and see the ball and control the zone. Even though you are facing bad teams and bad pitchers, you can still chase because you think you're better than they are. And I, I, and I, I think there's a reason why yeah. they've gotten off to this start. Well, I really I gotta, do. And I got to tell you something, too, about the easy schedule thing that is kind of a bit of a counterweight to this. In some ways... You know, in some ways, 13-0 against an easy schedule. There have to, I mean, there haven't been any games where these guys have taken games off. They've bludgeoned teams. And you would think against an easy schedule, there would be day game after night game where you maybe you're going to squeak out a win. Maybe thing, maybe yeah. it feels aggressive. But if you look at what these guys do, have done so far, game in and game out. Sure. I mean, it's like, it's been like it's one continuous game okay. from the start just, of the year. Just to say how hard it is, uh, the the Blue Jays have faced Kansas City and Detroit seven games. They yep. lost two of those. Yep. No. It, that that's the point, right? Even though you are playing a bad team, still got to be. You still have to go out and execute and do the little things and get hits when they when it matters the most in big part in big time parts of the game. You have to when you have to play comeback. You have to be good at those situations. Your rotation has to be good to pass the baton to the 
to the bullpen. Like everything has to work the way it's supposed to work, no matter who you're facing. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that's a it helps. Didn't hurt because it you just it helps you have confidence quicker. But you still got to go out and do it. And for them to be 13 and 0, this is why I said this is a this is a big time part for the Blue Jays. Next 15 games, we're gonna know if the rotation's real or not. I say it that way. That's me saying it. I'm well, going to say we're going to figure it out I think the next we'll, 15 games, whether I, it's real or not. I think we'll know. Yeah, we'll have an idea about what the level of concern should be. There you go. We'll have an idea about what the level of concern should be. Going, when, and they play Houston. Is Houston and Chicago on the road? Sorry, Houston, Houston and, and the, Yankees. the Yankees. Houston and the Yankees on the road. And then they got at home the White Sox in Seattle. So it's it's real. <laughs> yeah. Just by the way the Yankees are playing, and the way the 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 that the Rays have started their season, these games mean something now. In April, I mean the Rays could run away with this thing early in the season and make it real hard. They, if you notice, they got really good pitching, and they're getting Glass now back soon. I mean, that, that's what I said. The next fifteen games. Matt Joyce is a Rays studio analyst. He's also a former Rays outfielder, teammate of Kevin Kiermeyer. Matt Joyce knows his way around the Rays-Jays rivalry. He's been part of it. We'll talk to him about the 13-0 Rays. Get you set for the game. Jeff Passan joins us as well. Got Blue Jays tickets to give away. All that ahead in the Friday edition of Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. numbers i give you that what you're real tough with four or five people in here you. <laughs> you're real tough i get you well, yeah you don't you don't whistle that when we're in here by ourselves yeah. are you i like that backup i like that backup, yeah, I, like yeah. that backup. Yeah. I know i know your three reputation or your, three or your buddies come in here boy and you're just piling on but when we're piling on we're just continuing the discussion about the box spring mattress <laughs> this which is a story that will oh. forever go down in Barker folklore. Here's something else. It will forever go down in Barker. I was all excited. I thought I was getting something for cheap. Uh, we're giving Blissful you the chance to win it. Blue Jays tickets all season long here in Blair and Barker. And uh, we've got tickets to give away to see the Mariners and, and the Jays at the Rogers Center on April 28th. We'll uh, do the trivia question in a few minutes. But uh, a reminder to stand by for that. Cause it's a good one, and I got it. I got, I got the, I got the one answer right out the gate. I had to think about the other one because I was actually going to give a wrong name, right name, wrong name. Huh? Jeff Passan joins us. He's MLB's ESP, uh, ESPN's MLB insider. He's actually MLB's ESPN insider as well, which is another story. We'll talk to Passan about that. Uh, talk to him about Vladdy's contract negotiations. Major League Baseball expanding to Utah, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But before we do that, Matt Joyce is a former uh, Rays outfielder. He's now a member of the Valley Sports Suns uh, studio analyst, Rays studio analyst team. 
and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Matt, thanks so much for taking time out to chat with us today. Um, we just had Peter Bendix on. We were talking about the 13-0 start, and I just asked him how a team does that because teams haven't don't usually do that. Nobody is, as I think there's three teams that have done it since like 18, 1890. Um what have been the what? What's been the key to uh, what's been the key to this, especially offensively, Matt? What's been the key to this this offensive outburst? Yeah. Well, first, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, you know, appreciate it. Look forward to talking a little little baseball. Um, but yeah, it's been fun to watch, man. I mean, I'm a Tampa boy, so I was born and raised here, played for the Rays, and uh, had somebody recently uh, say, "Hey, they should have hired you earlier uh, with Valley Sports because they would have been a lot better for for a lot longer." And I told them. Well, they did hire me earlier. We weren't this good, right? We had some good teams, but, but we never had a we never had a thirteen and zero run. So I think we went, we started two thousand twelve zero and eight. We lost eight games. Yes. And that was uh, that was the year that we ended up making the playoffs with uh, game one sixty two with Longo. Right. And uh, and and so um, so yeah, it's it's been a fun, really fun to watch. Obviously, you know, it's a little bit new for me being on the. Uh, the the broadcasting side. So I feel like a rookie all over again, but these guys are doing so many things, right. Right. And you would expect that from a team that's 13 and zero. I think I've only seen one mistake and that was a fly ball that was in between Manny Margot playing center, who usually doesn't play center. And then uh, Harold Ramirez playing right field. Uh, and obviously, you know, it was Manny's ball Harold again, trying to get comfortable out there as well. Um, and so that was the only mistake that I've really seen. But other than that, this team is firing on all cylinders. I mean, you see them having great at bats. They're they're you know they're, they're not chasing a ton of pitches. Uh, they're working they're working the counts, uh, drawing walks. They're obviously putting balls in play with two strikes, so finding the holes. And then they're coming up with the big hits, which was the big question mark for this team. It was like, hey, you know, they need a left-handed bat. Like they need to go out and get Brandon Belt. They need to get, go and get one of these other guys. And so they've seen a lot of uh, production, obviously, from Brandon Lau, who's got like five home runs in five games, which is he's on an insane tear. Uh, these guys like Luke Rayleigh, who you know really struggled last year. He made some really nice mechanical adjustments and cleaned up uh, some length uh, in his swing. He, he got a little bit long last year. He had a hard time hitting the fastball. And so he's tightened some things up, and so he's able to to really uh, drive the baseball more consistently. And then uh, Josh Lowe, who's uh, who's been a fun uh, addition, left-handed bat to the Rays. Um, and some of these guys, you know, the, both those guys are are new, so they're still trying to get comfortable. But we, we everybody knew about their starting staff. Everybody knew, hey, they had a back end that's really strong. But the big question mark was, hey, is this team going to be able to score runs? And you guys have seen it. I mean, they've been driving the ball out of the ballpark with the best of them. If not, I think they might have the best and most home runs in, in the big leagues. It's crazy. Matt, we were talking about Jose Barrios and what he needs to do tonight, and I was trying to look up some stats about the Rays, and there's a lot of them, right? You just mentioned all the ones offensively, but there's one stat that stood out to me. In OO counts, they got an OPS of almost 1,700. They're hitting 540 as a team. And my question to you is, is that on purpose? Is that an aggressive approach that Chad Matola is trying to sell to this team too. You know what Peter was saying, see the ball and control the zone. Controlling the zone can be OO. Is that on purpose? 100%. Yeah, 100%. You know, you, for me, it was, it was always the mindset of like, all right, the first two pitches, the first two strikes are mine. 
right? I'm looking for something that I can do damage on. And so if you give me a pitch that I'm looking for in a spot that I'm looking for, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try to hurt you, right? I'm going to try to try to do some damage. And that's, that's the mentality with these guys, obviously two strikes. Hey, let's give up a little bit, maybe choke up, maybe shorten your stride, whatever you got to do, but we got to put the ball in play and, and they've done an incredible job, you know, to your point. Um, but yeah, I mean, first pitch is like, <laughs> you know, if it's a good one to hit, let it eat, let's go. And uh, it's been fun to watch. They've, they've, they haven't missed much. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, we saw Jeffrey Springs leave the game yesterday, and uh, Peter Bendix said that there there will probably be an update on him uh, on him today. Yeah, look, hope fingers crossed. He's had a great start to the year. They're already dealing with with working Tyler Glasnow in sometime in in mid May towards the end of May, uh, according to what the Rays are saying. How do they compensate if Jeffrey Springs needs to miss? You know, I, I even 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 three or four weeks of time. Would they just would they bring Taj Bradley? Would they bring him back up and, and and let him go? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it was nice to bring him up and and see him get some game action. Obviously, anytime you bring up a young guy, I mean, your adrenaline is through the roof, right? I remember I was telling somebody the other the other day during Taj's start. You know, I don't. I remember almost falling, running out to the outfield because I couldn't feel my legs. Okay, mm-hmm. I had so much adrenaline, and so typically when you see that with starting pitchers, they're going to miss up in the zone, which Taj did uh, in his first inning, and then he settled in nicely. But he's going to be a really nice addition, and and he's obviously a really nice uh, piece uh, of the puzzle that that they're going to have for the depth, the starting pitching depth, and no, and and so um, a, a lot of people were uh, questioning them signing Zach Eflin and obviously Zach's done an incredible job so far. He's going to uh, be a huge addition uh, to the race throughout the season. But I mean, that's why you go and sign those guys mm-hmm. and have the, that level of death because injuries do happen. Right. And so obviously again, like to your point, fingers crossed, you know, with Springs, um, you know, I mean, he's, he, he was a, a guy coming out of the bullpen uh, about a year ago. And uh, him and Rasmussen, and now they're starting pitchers, and they've been just absolutely dominating uh, from from the starting staff. So they're going to make some moves. They do have the depth. Obviously, uh, Taj is going to be a, a you know a guy that they're going to lean on. Obviously, they already used an option bringing him up, so they're definitely going to lean on him. Um, they're you know I talked to Glass now the other day. And uh, he said he's feeling much better. He's going to go pitch in AAA, so that obviously getting him back, is going to be uh, really nice and, and be able to kind of fill those shoes. And so, again, you know, having six, you know, seven guys that are uh, really good arms and a starting staff is, is crucial, and, and especially when you're talking about a long season. So fingers crossed with Jeffy Springs, you know, hopefully it's nothing too serious. Um, but, again, they're going to be getting glass now back, and they're going to lean on Taj. Uh, Drew's throwing tonight. If you're facing him, you know, he's got high spin rate. That You know, that tunneling and that late break on those – those pitches he throws is, is going to be tough. Is If you're facing him, what what would be your approach against him? Are you taking? Are you aggressive? What do you do against him? Yeah, no, yeah, no I'm, I'm definitely aggressive. Um, he's one of those guys that, that almost reminds me of Garrett Cole. Um, you know, really hard, rising fastball where you got to look down. you got to look for the fastball down. Um, and almost stay on top of it, try to have a mindset of like, all right, I'm going to work on top of baseball. I'm going to be really short, make sure I'm early enough, but I'm going to hit a low line drive up the middle, 
right? And that kind of keeps you working above the baseball because as soon as you try to lift a guy like that, you're either fouling it off or you're swinging underneath. Um, and then obviously he has that slider that, you know, you talk about tunneling. He uses that slider and, and really uh, does a nice job of tunneling it from the fastball, making it look like a fastball for a really long time and then breaking down and in or away from, from the right-handed hitters. And obviously that's a really tough pitch to hit. You just hope that you can pick up the spin uh, or a little dot on the ball in time enough to be able to hold up your swing. If you don't see it soon enough, then, then you're swinging and missing and you're walking back to the dugout, okay? But this guy is electric, man. He's got absolutely electric stuff. Um, the high fastball, uh, you know, is a strikeout pitch. The slider is a strikeout pitch. He's been working on a little bit of a sweeper, yeah. which is kind of a new, a new uh, you know, terminology around the game, which is it's funny, you know, as a hitter. I'm just like, yeah, it looks like a, a slurve or a curveball, you know, to me, right? So uh-huh. there's so many different, there's so many different blends of these, slider curveballs cutters nowadays that it it just it's it's tough man it's it's getting harder and harder to hit which is is mind-blowing to me yeah i was gonna ask you about the sweeper that that was my next question you see a lot of guys doing that well we have some guys here with the blue jays that that are throwing sweepers you know matt every time i hear a sweeper that almost is like that's giving a hitter a chance to hit a baseball right a slider has true break to it right you want to tunnel that thing off a fastball the later the break the harder it is to pick up you're swinging over top of it a sweeper sounds to me like something that hits that goes into the barrel why do you think the sort of you know, that I guess that maybe is a more moving cutter. Is that sort of the purpose in guys throwing sweepers, you think? Yeah, I, you know, when I think of like the word sweeper, I think of um, Barrows's um, almost slider. Yeah. You know, where it really sweeps almost laterally across the zone. Like that's what, in my mind, I would think a, a sweeper would be. Um, but I, I agree with you, like a, a really hard slider, uh, you know, a riding fastball or power sinker, uh, a really hard slider. Um, and then, you know, splitter were the hardest pitches for me to hit. But anytime you had any kind of hump, um, it, I just had to see it up. I, it just had to pop. And so, you know, it gave me just a split second longer to see the ball um, and, and to be able to react. Now, I think when you're able to blend different pitches, when you have three four different pitches, I think it's really hard to for a hitter because I'm like, okay, I'm trying to eliminate pitches, right? Like the more pitches that I can eliminate, if you don't have a feel for your changeup, okay, I can eliminate that pitch. Now I'm going to stay fastball slider because I, I don't think you have a good feel for that, right? So as a hitter, the more pitches that I can eliminate, the better. But as a pitcher, I, I think you would want three, four really good pitches that you have a good feel for. So um, so you can keep the hitter kind of off balance with their timing and, and they can't guess, um, you know, right most of the time. And Matt, this probably isn't going to come as a surprise to you, having been a teammate of Kevin Kiermeyer's, but uh, it took Kevin Kiermeyer two innings to become a fan favorite here. You know, which I we got. Yeah, I, I saw him rob that home run, man. That was awesome. It, it was well, awesome. And, 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 you know, Kevin being Kevin, he, I mean, he had fun with it, right? And, and, I guess what I was getting at, it's so funny because this guy, like if you put a, a Mount Rushmore of guys who've who've kind of pestered the Jays for the past five or six years or so, Kevin Kiermaier would probably be on it from everything he's done here with the Rays. He's always seemed to have moments here. Um, you know, I told my friend Mr. Barker here that if you're doing a scouting report and Kevin Kiermaier, he'd grade real highly on dudeness. 
Barker just kind of looked at me like I, and, and he's actually right. I didn't know what I was what I was talking about, but um, he just man, he just looks like he just looks like he has fun. He looks like a guy who would who would fit in 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 any in any clubhouse. Yeah, well, I mean, when you say the word dudeness, I think of like he's a guy's guy, right? Like he's he's a man, dude. Like this guy came up when I was playing at the Rays. He was one of the last ones left for the Rays that I uh, after I left. Mm-hmm. And he played for that organization for a long time and, and obviously, you know, would drive a lot of hitters nuts because of how good he was in the outfield. But I remember we played, uh, we were playing Texas in the playoffs. And um, I remember getting replaced with Kiermaier. They were like, hey, we got this young kid who's a stud. Um, and, you know, Joyce, you're coming out of the game. I'm like, dude, no, I'm, I'm 25 years old. Like, I can play the outfield, guys. I'm not 35 here. You know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like what is happening? And then we, and when I got a chance to see him, you know, I think he ran down a ball that should have never been caught. He, he like threw a hundred from the outfield. And I was like, okay, it makes sense now that, <laughs> that uh, I see why you guys put him in the game. Um, so yeah, he's a great addition. I mean, the biggest question mark for, for KK was always, Hey, how do you, you know, can you keep him healthy? Mm-hmm. And the guys that, that seemed to play at that level um, of speed of the games tend for my, for me tend to get hurt a little bit more. Um, and so that's the biggest thing for KK. You just got to keep him healthy and almost like rein him back because he's such uh, he's such a ball player and he's so he wants to win and uh, and and he wants to make every play that it's almost like hey it's a long season right like sometimes you got to pull back the reins in order for the for the marathon right as opposed to crushing yourself and going so hard so fast that you get hurt so. Um, I think he's a great addition. I am a big fan of, of the Blue Jays and that team and what they've been able to put together. I think you guys are going to be, you know, the the real um, competition in this division. And so this, for me, this is going to be an exciting uh, matchup against the Rays and the Blue Jays. Matt, let me ask you a question about dimensions of a field. Obviously, the Blue Jays, the Rogers Center, they've, they've moved the fences in. I want to ask you about hitting. I want to ask you about, because uh, you're not too far removed from that. You know, you've been in some fields that have some – corkiness where the field you're trying to hit it maybe away from there you're trying to hit it to that right right center here there's a couple of lefties now in the lineup for the blue jays is that a hard adjustment right you walk there you know maybe that's sort of why there's no numbers out there in right center and left center for the blue jays it'll tell you how close it is you know maybe that's a little on purpose is it hard for a hitter to go to a plate and go, oh, look, man, it looks a little closer. Maybe I try and hit a ball over there. Or do you just try not to think about it? Are we, are we overthinking it maybe a little? Yeah, I think you used to be able to do that with these guys that would throw 90-92. Yeah, great point. You could, you, could, you could get away with that a little bit more. It's like, all right, you know, in Yankee Stadium, I know I got a short porch and right. I'm going to try to get – I'm going to try to catch the ball out in front a little bit. And I'm going to try to backspin it, right? And you saw a lot of those guys like Roger Maris and, and Mickey Mantle be able to do that. Um, they were so good at like almost like barrel hooking a ball and, and getting it in the air to right field. But with these guys and, and what they're able to throw, it's simply like, hey, I got to get a good pitch and I just have to put, put the barrel on it. I just got to square this thing up because you can't, you can't control where it goes anymore. It's just I have to, I have to just try to purely hit this thing. You know, yeah. there's times where, where I think, hey, maybe two oh three one, we're like, okay, dead red. I'm sitting dead red. I'm going to try to catch this ball out in front a little bit. Um, I think you could do things like that, but it's it's really hard to manipulate where you're hitting the ball nowadays because these guys are so good. 
Matt, we're going to let you run. Thanks for doing this terrific insight, my friend. We uh, we will chat again. Great Be job. well. Thank you so much. Okay, guys. All right. Enjoy the game. Thank, Thank you. Matt Joyce, Rays studio analyst, former Rays outfielder. Um, and, and a guy that when he played, we used to have the, the description professional hitter. And he would be yeah. uh, that that would that would that would fit in him. That is interesting. You know, the last thing he said is a, is a great question. And you made you've made this point a couple of times. And I think people who haven't played the game, we need to be reminded of this. You know, everybody says, "Well, why don't you hit it over there?" Because there's a hole there. It's it, when you're facing elite velocity, it yeah. is hard to direct the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it? Is. You're oh, literally trying to hit a ball hard. I'm That's trying to it. be as short and quick as I can. Now it's right. You're tra- you're leading more with your back elbow because you want to get the barrel back so far because of velocity. Right. How much they throw the breaking but ball? You can't just you poke the ball. The barrel. Yeah, like right. hit behind the runner. It's hard to do, right? Yeah. Even if you're a little guy and that's your job, I just find you know it's it's a, that's an interesting topic, right? Is is the lefties and and you know Brandon Bell can he use right center to his advantage? I'm not sure. I'd because the more I think about it, the more <laughs> I looked at it when I was at the field and, and you know you see how far away it looks and and I don't know I don't I don't I don't, I don't know really how much of an advantage where those dimensions are the shortest, right? It's that true right field sort of, you know, where you can see the opposing team, the bullpen guys, that bench that's open that you can see right above that sort of the shortest place where Bo hit his line drive home run. I think it was 369. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been a home run last year. Mm -hmm. I think that is the area right there that is probably the shortest and balls will fly there. Everywhere else. I, I, say, I still is, think you got to get it out front, create backspin, and, and it's going to go when it goes. Is is Bo one of those guys that can think direction? I don't know. I I, I actually had that conversation where I, where we were standing around. I think Joe Siddle asked that when we were standing around. Asked Bo, and we said, "Are you trying?" I think maybe Caleb asked, "Were you trying to go over there?" Because he hit a couple of line yes, drives. Yes, over. he did. He yeah. said, "Absolutely not." Yeah, <laughs> I was just trying to hit a ball hard. Yeah. Okay. I, and I, again, it gets back to velocity. I yeah. think all you're trying to do nowadays, because of how much they throw breaking balls and how hard they throw, so you have to sort of think about your plate being out in front of the original plate, but you don't want to get fooled because of how much they throw breaking balls. And all you're trying to do is, like Matt said, is just try and hit the ball hard. Like, it, it'll go where it goes if I can get barrel to it and maybe try and hit the bottom part of it. So when I do hit it hard, it's got backspin. But hitting's hard. Like, it's the, even with no shift, it's going to help. I mean, that 17 hopper to the right fielder's a hit now, and it's not an out, which is a good thing. The optics of that whole shift thing would, just looked atrocious, and that's over, which is a great thing. And I know hitting's gone up. But I think if you're a home run hitter, you're a home run hitter. I don't. Mm-hmm. I really don't think right center is going to matter. Dead right field is going to matter. I mean, it'll help maybe once or twice a year. See, I think I, I looked at that part. I, th- this may sound captain. Away, I think the small center field wall is the biggest thing. I mean, it's the still, short it's center still field eight wall. Feet. It's still eight feet, and and a couple of times Kevin, you're going to you're going to see when when that roof is open, you're going to see so many ground rule doubles. Maybe. Maybe I think I think outfielders play deeper than they've ever played. Maybe I, mean, I, th- I think I think khakis and smart people that run these teams know so much about where to start outfielders that I uh, maybe 
Yeah. All right. I mean, I know you sort of want to hang your hat on because that's sort of the only thing. Once you go to the field and you look at it, the first the thing, one thing that pops out at you is, is that is. is shorter than everywhere else. Yeah. That and the that and the batter's eye, which just that's pretty awesome. Like that's you know, that was not what I was expecting. It, and it, it just looked different watching guys take so batting practice. So you don't practice. have any excuses now about seeing the baseball and maybe you shouldn't strike out as much at home now. We've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets on Blair and Barker. We'll be doing that all season long, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily trivia question to 59590 to win. Mm. Yesterday's question and answer was who led the White Sox in wins for the 2005 season the same year they won the World I'd Series. I never got this. Never gotten it. No. And I covered Maybe that, I didn't care. Covered that team. John, that why? John Garland had led them with 18 wins. I, I covered that World Series against Houston. It was without question. The, the two worst World Series I've seen was that World Series and the Giants and Tigers. Just in terms of the Giants and Tigers thing was because it was so, uh, I mean, it was, uh, it was so cold. The only highlight for me of that was going to the washroom and, and standing next to John Cougar Mellencamp at the urinal. That was the highlight of the World Series. He was singing the anthem and they- In the, did, in the bathroom? No, no. <laughs> Detroit had set up the media workroom in well, the, the under, underneath the, the bleachers. Yeah, it was just it was just cold. It was crappy, and it was uh, it was Detroit. There's nothing going on, and and uh, did you say hi? Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, I well, I mean, I, how did you he, say he hi? He was in there in the urinal. How did you say hi? I started whistling. What did you say? I started whistling Jack and Diane, and he started to laugh. <laughs> you did really? I did. That's all I did. That's awesome. I started whistling Jack uh, and Diane, like, hey, and he hey, laughed. How you doing? I, I'm not gonna, I would do whatever. Do you want to shake hands? No, I, I just, uh, I just started whistling Jack and Diane. I did, uh, and he kind of chuckled and then <laughs> washed up and said, "See ya." Huh? So uh, there, that's my brush with that's fame. That's awesome. Anyhow, that uh, that World Series that's a was great story. that and the White Sox Astros World Series was not was not memorable for anything. Uh. Uh, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and the Mariners down at the Rogers Center on April 28th. That question is, or that question, yes, that question is, this Whoa. question is, and I got this right off. You have to tell people, I got this within, I got the first one within a, 10 seconds, and I got the second one probably within two minutes. Name the two pitchers who hold the Mar Mariners' single-season record with 14 complete games. They did it in different years, obviously. Again, name the two pitchers who hold the Mariners' single-season record with 14 complete games. Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. And you could be off to the Rogers Center to see the Jays and Mariners on April 28th. The two pitchers who hold the Mariners' single-season record with 14 complete games. And, um, yeah. Matt, uh, did Matt Joyce see anything else that caught your the, the whole sweeper thing is uh, isn't is intriguing? Yeah, yeah. Every, Just uh, look, yeah, what was it? You know, I what? love this comment about you know what about blends of you talking about you're seeing blends of slider, curveballs, yeah. and cutter. Now that that's got to be you a, know, that's got to be a product of all the technology and rap soda and everything. There's no, eh? there's no question. But yeah, okay, example of that's Chris Bassett. Okay, Chris Bassett. The why why he has been saying that he needs his velocity. 
He doesn't throw 97, 98 miles an hour, but he needs to throw 92, 93, 94, and maybe occasionally top out if he's letting it eat and he's mad at somebody 95, right? He needs to sit in there. You want to know why? Because it allows him with his sweeper, with his slider, with his breaking ball that's in that 70 to 75 mile an hour range to be able to not always be so fine. Now I have to respect the 93s that I can get away with throwing that, and I think he needs the difference. That's the sweeper. Sweeper's about 73, 74 miles an hour. When his fastball's 93, 94, that's 20 miles an hour difference. That's a huge deal. That's a sweeper. For me, a sweeper sounds like you're giving me a chance. It's sweeping into my barrel. It's not breaking down off away from my barrel. That's what did I'm sure they're doing it on purpose and for there's a good reason for it. But man, what it, a hitter sweep a sweeper a lot now. Is what do hitters have to do to adjust to that? You know, but Caleb, fastball. Caleb made Caleb made an interesting point in the field. Uh, Caleb Joseph made an interesting point in the field the other day when we were talking about the sweeper, and he said, "What do we know about the baseball bat? Well, we know that it's longer than it is thicker." So if you're starting to throw more pitches, you would think if you're starting to throw pitches that are moving horizontally, you got a greater chance of hitting that pitch than if you're going north-south. Maybe. You know, I mean, we're just sitting around shooting the the you-know-what about it. There's there's not a ton of dudes that that can hit a breaking ball anyway. Like, they're going to make their their living off hitting the fastball. That's why I brought up. Isn't up and down harder to hit than side to side? Uh, I get. Maybe. I mean, a lefty that has a natural uppercut in his swing, he wants the ball down. I did. I don't. so, So that would be. You want it down. I don't think it matters if it was east or west as long as it was down. It would, it's going into my natural bat path because I got a natural uppercut okay. in my swing. It's like Mike Trout's got his kryptonite's up and in. Everybody wants it in there. Just seems like because of the way he approaches the baseball in a positive move, that's his little hole is right there. Everybody, the Jays tried to go to it. Yeah. Now, you miss just a little. I mean, it's back leg city. But everybody's got their little weakness, right? And that's the difference between a a really, really good hitter and a the 25th, 26th guy on a team is that's the difference is. And this is what I said coming into these these three games in these next 15 is they're facing teams now that can attack your weakness. They're really good for a reason. Now it's up to the Jays to take it. Can't hit it. I got to take it now. That's the that's why Peter came on and said why they gotten off to such a hot start is see the ball. Simple, right? But if I can't hit it, why would I swing at it and control the zone? Oh, oh, they're destroying baseballs. There's a reason why they've gotten, obviously, their record and who they've been facing. But you got to take the bad one to get the good one. And the good one is sometimes not a strike. It's your strike. And that's what I said. And that's why I brought up the runners in scoring position. And that's why Dan and Buck talked about runners in scoring position with two outs. Is that's how That's how the pitcher loses money. That's if you're a run producer, how you make money. Your bats have to get better. So this is what I said. We're going to find out in the next 15 well, how good the Blue Jays are. Uh, a reminder that the back leg line is open. The number is 416-413-3959. It's open all – it's open 24-7, basically. You know, notice how easy and it just, is for and, you to and, get and, me fired up about hitting? Yeah, I know it is. I love it. That's because you used to like to hit. I try. Uh, and that, uh, that, that line is for questions, comments, observations – uh, for Kevin Barker, and we will uh, we will delve into the line every day again. Four one six four one three three nine five nine. 
for your questions. Maybe you got a question about hitting. Uh, this is the guy to talk to. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. He's one of our regulars. He joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The Fan 360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 707 will be... Stop pounding in the table. 707 will be the first pitch tonight. On Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Jay's opening a three-game series against the 13-0 Tampa Bay Rays. Just because you keep saying it, it's not going to change the fact that they're 13. You've said that like 41 times in two hours. It's not going to change it. 13-0 Just say they got a good record. 13-0 is a big deal. 14-0 is going to be even bigger. There'll be uh, Jose Brios on the mound for the Blue Jays, Drew Rasmussen for the Rays. Tell me the truth. You going to light some candles? I don't know. You got any left candles? No, I don't have any. I, I, <laughs> I don't have any. Don't have any candles left. I'll have to. I think I used them all up for Kikuchi last year. I'm, I'm about to have to. I'm going to have to go out and buy some more. I'm going to have to go out and buy some more. Yeah, I used them all for Kikuchi last year. You're negative. Um, yeah. And as, uh, yeah, let's just, anyhow. Let's bring in Jeff Pass and uh, who's never a, negative. ESPN's MLB insider who's never negative and who is going to answer the question right now that Peter Bendix, GM of the Rays, would not answer for us. Mr. Passan, how are they, thir- how is anybody 13 He answered it. He did, but he kind of said it's difficult to do and da da. How's anybody 13 and 0 to start a season, Jeff? That's not supposed to happen. Yeah, luck. Like, that's the honest answer. Um, the best team in the world can play the worst team in the world 13 times, and the odds of that best team winning 13 games in a row is infinitesimal. I mean, right now, like, let's put it this way. I, I did the math on this yesterday because I'm about to go on to sports that are talking about this. Um, in the non-raised games that their opponents have played this year, they're playing about 400 baseball. So let's just assume that means the average team facing the A's, the Nationals, the Tigers, and the Red Sox is going to win 60% of the time. If you take 60 to the 13th power, Jeff, the chances of that happening are 0.1%, which means it is one in a thousand. So what we're looking at is a one in a thousand and probably even more type scenario. Uh, And there's a reason that the Rays can break the modern record for consecutive wins to start a season tonight uh, because it's really freaking hard to ever win 13 games in a row, let alone do it at the beginning of a season. Nobody, I mean, nobody's going to go 162 and 0, but it is from what you've, you know, what you've been able to gather and from what other people have said is, could we, I'm not, well, I'll ask you, could they, could they go wire? This is a tough division, but is it possible they go wire to wire? I know it's early and everything, but is it possible that they're not going to sustain this winning percentage, obviously, but is it possible that they could, you know, that they could be really good, I guess is that's the only way I can describe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, two weeks into the season, they have a five-game lead on the Blue Jays and the Yankees. Now, there are still 149 games to make up for that, and a five-game lead isn't a whole lot, but they've given themselves a really good buffer to start the season. I mean, if they play, like, 
500 ball for the rest of the year, they're still a playoff team, right? So, and we have to remember the last team, Jeff, to win 13 games to start the season was the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers, who promptly went out and lost 12 in a row in May. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Rays are going to go out and drop a 12-game losing streak, but they've, you know, you know, for a team that's 13 and 0, they're they're struggling a little bit because they're missing three fifths of their rotation now with Jeffrey Spring, Zach Eflin, and Tyler Glass now out. So uh, there could be some lean days ahead, but the, the way they've hit so far, that's been the biggest surprise. I mean, everybody in their lineup is slugging like 550. It's ridiculous. I think as a team, their OPS is close to 950 right now. Uh, they've just been an offensive juggernaut at this point. And so you think Rays, you think pitching. Well, they've got pitching, they've got hitting, and they've got fielding. And so even in a division as cumbersome as the American League East, uh, yeah, the Rays going wire to wire certainly uh, is well within the realm of possibility. But uh, I'm not crowning them yet. The big word in, in Toronto land is pockets. Every time you talk to somebody that matters with the Blue Jays, it's all about pockets. I'm going to use this guy in, a, in the right pocket. I'm going to put this position player in the right pocket in the order. It's all yeah. about pockets. Well, you look at their schedule. This is and, a pocket. And, and this is a big pocket. <laughs> the next 15 games, they have Tampa for three, Houston for three, Yankees for three, White Sox for three, <laughs> Seattle for three. Now, with who yeah. they have pitching the next three games and the way Tampa's playing and the Yankees look like the Yankees – you know, look, I, I don't want to overreact. And Jeff said I was very negative by saying this. Well, it's Jeff, so, thank Jeff you, Parsons. Thank you. This is a big April, deal. Kevin, yeah, but it's 15 stop. games. 15 stop. games. Like, it's a I lot. I don't care. I don't care. If they go 5 and 10 over these Ooh. next 15 games, they're still going to be fine. They thank will you. still be fine. Thank you. Brias goes two it's, and a third and gives up seven Ernie's. Are they yeah, fine still? Yes, they're still fine. I told you, Kevin. They are okay. still fine. Listen, okay. uh, yeah. if, if Alec, I, I, I'm i much more concerned like about Alec Manoa's velocity now. I, I want to see Alec Manoa mm-hmm. throw a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. That, that, that would help. That, yeah, that to me is, is something worth keeping an eye on. Listen, pitchers have down velo games sometimes, and I'm not going to make too much of it at this point, but I hope that it's not <laughs> – uh, something you know that's of any concern long term. Uh, Barrios, yeah, hasn't hasn't been good, um, but Kevin Gosman sure has. Yeah, uh, Kevin Gosman, the, the uh, Cy Young pick. Who would have thunk it that I was the negative one on this show? Crazy, right? Well, I don't know. I think I I've become a little <laughs> become a little I've become a little more optimistic as I've gotten older. I mean, sometimes you got to be I, real. Well, when the you way reach, the rotations look uh, a little bit. Once you reach some six, big, some big games coming up. Once you reach sixty, you begin to think you're going to actually live for a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jeff, you reported that Logan. That's me. <laughs> that made no sense. You reported that uh, just a couple of minutes ago, actually, Logan Webb and the Giants agreed on a five-year, ninety million dollar contract extension, which uh, is a great segue to asking you about Vladdy Jr. Now, Vladdy telling Shai Davidi uh, during the opener that uh, they've had the Jays and, and his people have had some talks. Uh, there's clearly nothing concrete. Vladdy certainly doesn't seem as if he's pushing the panic button here. Uh, he's made clear he wants to stay. The Jays have made clear that they'd like him to stay, providing there is an assumption of shared risk, which is what they say about every player, and that makes a certain amount of sense. But the fact is Vladdy's financial entourage has been in town. They, they've been in town yeah. this week as agent, the financial advisor is his fitness guy fitness person i should say been here 
Uh, I'm at the point where I just, I mean, I'll just flat out say it, Jeff. I don't think they get, and that maybe they do it this afternoon. I'll look like a jackass. <laughs> I'd be surprised if they I get. Hope, I hope so. I, <laughs> I, I, I'd be surprised. I just, I'd be surprised if they get something done with them at this point. It, I'm trying to figure out what's in it for him, what's in it for them, unless they just give him, I mean, just give him an obscenely big number, which. Yeah, well, what's the, I mean, in your mind, what's the number that they have to give him to get that? Starts with a four. I think think it starts with a four, huh? I think so. I I think Rafael Devers' contract is a good comp. Yeah, I don't think it starts with, I don't think you give a first baseman a number that starts with a four. That's just me. That's the way that I'm, you know, if I'm running a club, um, there's just, uh, you know, Vladdy's never going to be a terror on the base path. And even if he is uh, a very good or even elite defensive first baseman, which he's not, uh, I'm still not giving him a number that starts with a four. A three? Yeah. I, I, that's where it should be. Um, but you, would you give him 400, Kevin? I would not. Okay. No, would I, you give I, him 300? I would, yes. And I would have already yeah. done it. Yeah, like I said, I, said, I would have I I I given him something around what, what Devers is getting. Everybody else is getting it. That's that's, that's sort of the, what, when's the rubber going to meet the road? I, maybe they're not going to. Maybe they don't. I mean, it's just it's obvious, right? It's you see all these other teams doing. Now you're seeing the the catcher in Baltimore. They're having rumblings about signing him already. Well, I mean, should. he's probably not going to get three hundred, but he'll get probably two hundred and something. And that's it's just a little odd, Jeff. That's all. It's it's like. I mean, he's still making a ton of money. He's a really good player. He's a generational player. At least he is on the offensive side of the ball. It's just odd. It's odd to continue to have the conversation. Maybe we should stop, I guess. Okay. (laughs) There it is. Yeah, no, I I just found it. uh, I've said this a number of times, right? This is a luxury tax team, and they haven't signed one of Bo or Vladdy through their free agent years. And I just, if you told me that three years ago, that if you told me the Jays were going to be a luxury tax yeah. team three years ago and they would have signed one of those guys, I'd go, I, okay, I can see that. But to be where they are now without having done that, I that's just, that strikes me as really odd. Uh, Otani's going to be in New York. Is this is this where the uh, circus begins? <laughs> I don't know. Isn't this, hasn't the circus already begun? Yeah, like, it is. Isn't the circus, like, isn't it Barnum and Bailey? It's just an everyday affair in a different city. Yeah, um, but it's New York, you is, know. Is if you're, yeah, I know, I know, but I uh, listen. I live in Kansas City, man. I try not to romanticize New York too much. We have enough <laughs> baseball writers who do that already, and understandably so. Like you know, New York is. I don't know if it's like the last baseball city, but uh, I certainly think you could call New York a baseball city. And the the way that the Yankees and Mets are constructed, both of them could win the World Series this year. And Otani is certainly going to listen to to Steve Cohen and to Hal Steinbrenner when they go after him this winter. But if you're a baseball fan and the Angels are in town, you should go to a game. Like, you really should. Just go see Shohei Otani in person. Just, if nothing else, for 25 years down the road, when you're talking with your kids or grandkids, you can say, I saw Shohei Otani play. Like, that's the caliber of player that we're talking about. And uh, he's, he's worth the price of admission, especially on the days he's pitching. How many, this is, again, we're, I know I'm jumping the gun here, but how many teams do you think realistically have a shot at him if he doesn't, if he doesn't come back to, to L.A.? And I understand that there's always, 
there's always going to be a, a team that's going to su- surprise you maybe and make a run at this. But realistically, Jeff, he's a free agent. How many teams could go after him? I think realistically the teams we're looking at are Dodgers and Mets, like in a tier of their own mm-hmm. with Yankees, Giants, Mariners, Cubs, probably not the Red Sox. Uh, I mean, that's probably it. Yeah. It's, it's the most moneyed teams and all of them. And, and frankly, it should be all 29. The, you know, the Royals should go to him and say, we'll give you $550 million if you're you know, willing to come to Kansas City. The, the Blue Jays should say, we'll give you $550 million if you want to be on a championship-caliber team. That's, that's how good he is. Mm-hmm. And the, if you are bringing Shohei Otani to your city, you are investing not just in a player but in the franchise because uh, he brings more relevancy and more excellence on the field than anybody in the game today. Man, I love, I love the way you included the Giants in that group because that would be such a – I mean that would just be that would be such a nice marriage, it really would. Yeah, I mean, think about it. The marriage. Giants tried. The Giants tried on Judge. They tried on Correa. They, you know, they whiffed on Judge, and Correa fell apart. Like they have the money, yep. uh, they have the need, and uh, they should be more aggressive. I think than just about any team out there. Mr. Pass, I'm going to let you scoot. Thanks for doing this, You're man. You're the best, buddy. Thanks a lot. Take it easy, boys. Take care. See ya. It's Jeff Passan, VSPN. Just reporting Logan Webb's contract extension. I love me some Logan Webb, man. He's fun to watch. Nasty. Yeah, the Giants. No way, you know, no way he's going to the Giants. It's, it's cold oh, as all get out there. There's no way, dude. No way. Well, if, if you, you if you were him, you'd go there. Not a chance. Well, okay, let's not let's, a chance. No, let's think about it. Because it's not about the money. He'll he'll make enough money in baseball. It's on top of what he's going to make off the field. He don't have to go to the Giants. Like that's the thing. The only way he'd go there is if he had to go there. Just all you got to do is say weather. You just mentioned how bad the World Series was, and uh, why it, you it, said it, it's because of the weather. Well, no, there was that's a weather. It's a weather in Detroit. So it was weather Detroit. in Detroit. No, I said it was the weather in Detroit. The weather in San Francisco is San Francisco cold. weather. Well, just not cold in New York. He ain't going to New York. You don't think he's good? You don't think the Mets or the Yankees will be a player for him? No, I think he's going to the Dodgers. He'll stay with the Angels. I mean, I I, pre- I thought Judges was going to sign with the Giants <clears throat> last year. I still think the Giants are going to. I, th- I think that I think was... the Giants are going to be a big. A big player in Otani. I think that was. Uh, they may be. They may be the team where they go to Otani and they Judge, literally say six hundred million. Judge was trying to stand taller than the Yankees. That's what Judge, that was. Do you give? Do you give Otani? Absolutely. You give him six hundred million dollars to no, come to your team? Absolutely not. Five hundred. You do. Absolutely. If you're going to go to five hundred, why wouldn't you go to six hundred? Because it's you're a getting it's a hundred million dollars more, and he's older, and he hasn't been hurt. Four one six four one three three nine five nine is the back back leg line. Out. $100 million. Let's, I mean, I know if you could spend 500 why not 600 Let's see what's on the mind of... Uh, why do you put these things in this? Because you are class. number one. Great job this week. <laughs> You're actually number well, one. Well, that's a lie. Uh, let's, let's, hear, let's hear what Clifton... Clifton and Etobicoke... Oh, I feel like we've we finally christened the back leg line. That's a great Because point. Clifton and Etobicoke is you using it. it. You Clifton and Etobicoke. The Blue Jays are going to beat the race tonight. Okay. There, there are two to one odds right now. Now, Kevin. Yes. Kevin. This is where 
Borrios will get a chance to re-ingratiate himself with the fan base that is that has gone a little bit sour on him right now. Optimism, I love. So Berrios tonight will shut down these undefeated wow. races. Feeling it. I love Thanks, it. fellas. I mean, I, I love it. I, I hope, love it. Again, I hope so. I love it. I, I, I try. I tried to ask around enough that somebody would say something bad about Jose Barrios. You can't find a well, human. You, you can't find a human sorry. being because it would be harder to 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 say th- bad things about him if he was an awful human. He's did, a tremendous did you human hear, being. Did you hear what Pedro? You want to root for him? Did, I'm rooting for did him. Did you hear Pedro say? The numbers would say otherwise. Though. When Pedro was here. Yeah, Pedro said that, that he'd he would, work with he'd him. Wake, he'd work with him. What, what, I'm, my my response was, tomorrow. well, I'd be, can, we, can we do it like last, last love, Thursday, last Saturday? I would Saturday? love to ask him what would be the first thing you'd tell him. I'd love to ask him that. Would you tell him to throw more change-ups? Would you give him a change-up grip? Because your, your hater's getting annihilated, but you're, your sweeper's not. What if you added a change-up You're talking about fastball and, counts? And, and you're talking about the guy who had one of the best change-ups ever. I, I would ever, love to ever. walk up, because I've never met him, but I would love to walk up to him and ask him, what would be the first thing you tell him just to see what his answer would Ed be? Ed Norelli has got a question right in your wheelhouse. Let's hear it. This question's for Kevin. Can an umpire strike zone be influenced by hitters swinging at bad pitches? Ooh, I like that. Great question. Can an umpire strike zone be influenced by hitters swinging at bad pitches? I'm going to be careful about how I, I... I think it would be more influenced with the size of your number than what you're swinging. You laugh. You you roll your eyes. My, I've had big numbers. I've been in batter's boxes. I've yeah, had words. That doesn't matter. It, doesn't, it does. That does not qu- matter in April or May. There's the no number 67 does. hitting Listen, in April the, or May. The question does. I don't think so. Kevin Biggio cer- wears number I eight. I certainly Ask hope him. not, but I, I do think it's the consistency of where the pitcher is throwing one pitch over and over and over and over again. If it's a little bit outside the strike zone and he consistently goes to that spot and in a big moment, because that umpire consistently sees it there, that would weigh him in the thing of giving it a he, but I don't think because a dude's swinging at it, you know what amazes me? You know what they do when they swing at it? They turn around and go, Hey, was that a strike or a ball? How many times you seen Kirk? do that a ton when they're right down the middle, too. <laughs> the right center cut right down the middle. And you see him turn around and go, hey, was that a strike or a ball? Mike Esterbrook did not have a good game a great last que- night. It is a great question. It is a great question. But I ho- I'll say, first of all, I hope not. And I've never seen that before. I think it's more about. It's really on the pitch. The pitcher can't yeah, find absolutely. the strike zone. Yes, I think it's more about that. If Because that catcher, too, that relationship between that. Caleb talks about this all the time. <clears throat> he, I actually, that first inning when he walks by the umpire now, you know the guy throwing tonight for us, he loves sitting in this one spot. He's going to give it to you. I need you to give I us that pitch. stay with Like me. that yeah. relationship, you need to set the seed. And yeah. That is more important. But that's <laughs> a great question. Thanks for giving us that question. Got me fired up again. You got it. Well, yeah, you mentioned the magic word, umpires. Uh, you know. Yeah, you've been down on them lately. I've been down. I because they're atrocious. No, I don't want to. Ta- I don't like talking about them a great deal because I think they they're a handy excuse for people in every sport. But I, I, uh, I mean, a, a, a game they, like no, a game they like can handle it. a game like yeah, but a game like last night was frustrating because it was. I, well, I mean, uh, codify the baseball. Take a look at the take a look at the pitch that Bo had called on him a strike. It's like there's, it's. There's been one pitch this year that was more out of the strike what zone that, that was called a strike. Oval, would it have been a strike or a ball? I'm telling you, you 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 guys laugh. Keep running that. 
Keep running that square little strike zone out there well, on the TV a, that nobody just, uses. You just brought Keep up the running example. That out there. You just brought up the Keep example. Look it. how much lower it Keep was than running that it box. Out there. No one uses it, but we're going to have a box there. Because a freaking 12-year-old needs to have the box so he can tell whether it's a ball and strike. I'm 47. I need it. Anyhow. Uh, it's been a really uh, great week. Thanks for joining us. We'll be doing Blue Jays Talk tonight. We'll be back on Monday, 10 to noon Eastern. Thank you, Lance. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, our listeners and our viewers. We'll chat on Monday. Have a terrific weekend.